do what you want, whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, just do it. And that's the problem we have. There's a lot of lies in television commercials. There's a lot of lies on the internet. We need to think through this and understand that's not what God has said to us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, my name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV as we go through the Bible from Revelation to, or from Genesis to Revelation. And we're doing that this year. We're in the book of Proverbs. And you know, Proverbs is an interesting place to study wisdom of God. Corey helps us today. Corey with Ryan. Today, I'm going to be taking a look at some ancient artifacts that help us see some of these wisdom of Proverbs expressed in the daily lives of ancient Israelites. Ryan. Today, I'm looking at the life of the man who penned the Proverbs, King Solomon. Excellent. And Janice? Run. Don't walk. <laughs> okay, take your Bible out, your Bible guide, and let's focus on what God is saying to us. Proverbs 5, verses 1 through 14. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Therefore hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, How I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Our reading today is Proverbs chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Four chapters. Really interesting. Because Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And the word proverb means words for a living words to live by. What is the difference between obeying orders and taking advice? Some people say there's a big difference. Many associate the book of Proverbs with taking God's advice. Others see the commands of God in the Proverbs and hear God giving us orders to live by. Now, the truth is that God's advice is never wrong and neither are his orders. How we see God, this is important, how we see God is how we see the Word of God. How we see God is how we see the Word of God. If we grew up with a heavy-handed father commanding and barking orders, our understanding of family or heavenly father might be commanding, barking orders. 
If we grew up with a weak father or no father at all, we may take God as giving friendly advice that we do not need, but we listen to. But remember this. Why should we judge God based on human experience? Why should we judge God based on human experience? God is not like us. He is a perfect father. He is always and has patience with us. He is strong and able to discipline us when he needs to. When God speaks, he is never wrong. Now, Proverbs 5 speaks about the sexuality of man and the dangers of adultery. Gentlemen, we should listen carefully. Listen carefully. Now, if you have your Bible guide, let me advise you to take it out and let's turn to today's passage. If you don't, call or write to us and we'll send it to you. Another way you can get it online quickly, attention to wisdom, is give online. When you give online, give whatever you want. The Holy Spirit will teach you and it'll take you to a PDF page you can download at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Let's open up the Bible and learn what he says. But first, let's pray. Father, we ask today that you would help us to learn about you. Help us to learn that you have created us. We are not created by happenstance, just by accident or just by time. We're created by the hand of God. And if we're created by the hand of God, then there is a reason that we're created. And there are many places that we can get off track. Help us to have your wisdom. We're going to give attention to it. Teach us your way and show us your paths. In sexuality, we have to know what you taught us so that we understand why we're created the way we are. In the way we do things, Lord, help us, Father. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, and I always say that in Jesus' name, because that name is stronger than any other name. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs chapter 5 is fascinating. Here's what it says. My son, he says, Pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion. Preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. Discretion in your heart and keep knowledge in your mouth. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as a as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life. Interesting. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. This, this is absolutely fascinating. I, I want to tell you something. The culture of the world is to do what you want to do when you want to do it. The culture of this world is to do what you want to do when you want to do it. But God gives us the path of life. We must be wise to follow him and not to waver. Follow the Lord and don't waver. I know it's tempting, of course. It's got to be tempting. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit, Christian brothers and sisters, is in you. And so the Holy Spirit is stronger 
than the sin culture of this world. The Holy Spirit is stronger, it is, than the sin culture of this world. And we need to give God our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Very interesting. All right. Now, let's. this is getting good. Proverbs 5, 7 says, Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and do not go, go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others, lest you give your honor to others and your years to cruel one, lest aliens or strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Second point. We must listen and follow God's word and control ourselves. <laughs> Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.25. We must control ourselves. We need to move sin out of the way and allow God full access to our heart. And I say to people, that's what we're talking about. And they don't like it because they like to do what they want to do and they want to do it. Don't tell me because I have free speech. Well, we're going to talk about that in a few days. What is free speech? We need to keep our minds wrapped around following God, beloved, because if we don't, we're going to crash. And God tells us this very important thing. He says, listen to me. Let my Holy Spirit work in your life. I need to work in you today. So I would say to you, allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. See what he can do. Proverbs chapter 5, 11 to 14. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I have hated instruction and my father or my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Total ruin. We often regret what we have done after it happens. <laughs> after it happens, that's a problem. But the Lord makes a way of escape for us. We should be wise to trust and follow His instruction. Trust and follow God's instruction. God gives us specific things. Marriage from the Bible. Don't do anything sexually until you get married. God said that. I'm just reporting to you what the Bible says. People will say, oh, that's ancient. No, it's, it's true. It's not old school. Or, there's no old, old school or new school here. There's truth and lies. And that's the truth. Because that's how we are created, beloved. And that's what the Bible tells us in God's wisdom. So we need to keep ourselves focused on the Lord and remember this. The Holy Spirit is here to help us. Let's pray. Father, today I pray we would let the Holy Spirit rule in our lives and be the Lord of us. Help us to give him control in Jesus' name. Amen.
Today and tomorrow, you and I are going to be taking a look at um, artifacts and archaeological find that is really interesting. And it relates to how uh, certain ancient people expressed their faith in the words of the scripture, in the words of the Old Testament. We're going to be taking a look at the archaeological site of Ketef Hinnom. And uh, today, we're going to specifically be focusing in on two silver scroll amulets that were discovered. Uh, and, you know, I timed it the way I did looking at Proverbs here when we're in Proverbs 5 to 8, because there's this concept of, of God's word being pure, like refined silver. Uh, so take a look at these silver scroll amulets. In 1979, the now famous silver scroll amulets of Ketef Hinnom were discovered. The tiny amulets were found as they were left thousands of years prior, as burial gifts in a bone repository dating from the 7th century BC. They were finely crafted and rolled up like scrolls with space left down their middles for a necklace. At barely an inch tall, these scrolls took considerable work by conservationists to open, and when they did, the fine artistry involved in their creation became apparent. Though damaged, experts are confident that the scrolls originally contained 18 and 19 lines of Hebrew script, meaning the letters themselves are mere millimeters across, etched onto the surface of the silver by hand. Each amulet contained the priestly blessing of number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The first amulet also had a portion of Deuteronomy 7.9 incorporated into it. With a firm date of the late 7th century BC for these amulets, biblically speaking, during the lifetime of King Josiah and the early life of the prophet Jeremiah, they quickly came to the forefront of biblical studies. They contained the earliest example of biblical text in an extra-biblical document. This firmly establishes an earlier date for the composition of the Bible than many people would care to admit. If these Bible verses were being copied onto costly jewelry before the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon, then the biblical text itself was also written before this point. The similarity of the amulets to the Hebrew text that now exists, though thousands of years separate them, also testify to the accuracy of Jewish scribes through time. These mini silver scrolls are also a witness to and seem to fulfill their ancient owner's rather literal interpretation of Psalm 12 verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. It's always really interesting to me to see these small windows into the faith of ancient men and women. I mean, when you think about it, these scrolls were not meant to be, these amulets were not meant to be unrolled and read. It was something that was very personal to the wearer. They knew what was written on the amulets and they kept it close to them. Uh, so it, it's a very personal expression of their faith. And it's, it's not a coincidence that it it is a mixture of several Old Testament passages. Yeah, that is, it's interesting in, in a lot of different ways. Like mm -hmm. People wear their tags, people wear a lot of different things, but this is something that we need to pay attention to because there's a lot of scripture in these things. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, your personal faith, but you know, they're, they're gone, but they're with God. 
And at the same time, what's left here is those personal things. Mm -hmm. So we have to pay attention to what we do uh, because God's going to use those things to help others. So that's great. Excellent, Ryan. All right, well, today, to go along with our reading in Proverbs, I thought it would be helpful to study the life of the man who penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And that man is the son of David, King Solomon. And Solomon, when he became king, asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. And we see some of that wisdom in the book of Proverbs. But unfortunately, he didn't take his own advice because he did some very foolish things and disobeyed God's explicit instructions not to multiply wives. And as a result, his heart turned away from the Lord his God. Check it out. King Solomon was the second son of David and Bathsheba and the third king of Israel. His rise to the throne, however, was by no means without controversy. Indeed, Adonijah, the oldest son of David, presumed himself to be king. However, based on an earlier promise to Bathsheba, David, while on his deathbed, transferred the throne to Solomon instead. Although Solomon was quick to make some very significant political decisions, he was barely out of his teens when he became king and felt inadequate for the job. He says to God in 1 Kings 3.7, I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. It was after Solomon sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord at Gibeon that God came to him in a dream by night and offered the young king anything he desired. Solomon, of course, requests a wise and understanding heart that he may judge God's people. This request pleases the Lord, and so he grants Solomon this and more. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Kings 4 that Solomon was wiser than all men and that he spoke 3,000 proverbs and composed 1,005 songs. Solomon's fame quickly spread to the surrounding nations, and many, including the renowned Queen of Sheba, would come from great distances to consult with him and to benefit from his vast knowledge. Solomon's 40-year reign was so successful that it is considered to be Israel's golden age, a time of great peace and prosperity, even extending to the surrounding pagan nations. Indeed, Israel was never bigger or richer than it was during Solomon's day. He also did not have to fight any major battles. He controlled the land from Egypt's border in the south to the Euphrates River in what is now northern Syria, more than 200 miles beyond Damascus. His kingdom stretched eastward from the Mediterranean Sea to deep within what is now Jordan. One of the major highlights of Solomon's career was the building of the temple. Although only about the size of a small church, the king spared no expense as the exterior was made of limestone and the interior of cedar wood overlain with gold. Although Solomon started off well and became extremely wise, wealthy, and prosperous by serving the one true God, he was eventually led astray by his 700 wives and 300 concubines to serve foreign gods. Some believe that Ecclesiastes, often attributed to him, gives a glimpse into why he did this. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, the preacher says, I said to myself, come now, let's give pleasure a try. While still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In the end, however, Solomon realized that it was all utterly meaningless. Sadly, the king died before his 60th birthday, apparently old before his time, perhaps a result of far too many women to contend with. So let's take King Solomon's life as an example. He multiplied wives against God's command, and sure enough, these foreign women turned his heart away from the one true God to serve false gods. May we not allow our hearts to be turned away as Solomon's was. 
It's also interesting to note that his father David was also polygamous. This should be an example to all of us parents. It's critical that we set good and godly examples for our children, especially in a world that's walking totally contrary to God's ways. And this is a good time to talk about that because the world is not, you know, it's not nice. Um, You know, we watched on the news and we continue to watch and there's just terrible things happening around the world. But God is still on the throne Mm -hmm. and God in the lives of those people who have invited him into their life is doing a wonderful thing. And we have to keep that in mind. Now, just quickly, lovelife.org is a great missions. It's a, a it's an organization. They're headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. Justin's a great guy. We have him on our prayer meetings, so check out our prayer meetings for that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30. But uh, Love Life, we're dedicating this time this week uh, to this, to dedicate uh, a love of life, if you would. And if you want to know more about that, then go to lovelife.org, lovelife.org. It's a very good one. Janice? Life is precious. In fact, it it is. And a gift from God. Absolutely. Well, my title was Run, Don't Walk. And usually, as parents, we're like, Walk, don't run. But this is the opposite. And uh, we're looking at uh, Proverbs chapter 5, and and it's titled here in my Bible, The Peril of Adultery. And, you know, there are temptations in life. The Bible talks about those temptations, and we need to run away from them, not walk. And, and there are some that needed to, need to be avoided at all cost, and adultery for certain is one of those. But I wanted to take a look at Proverbs chapter 5, verses 21 through 23 specifically. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. So God is all-knowing. God sees what we're doing. So his, his eyes are on the ways of man, and God ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he's caught in the cords of his sin. So the choices that we make, the things that we do, literally entrap us. All right? He shall die for lack of instruction, and the greatness of his folly... And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Let me read that again. For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and God ponders all his paths. Man, his own iniquities, entrap the wicked man, and he's caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Now, there will be temptations in life, as I said at the beginning, but the one who has given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ must turn away. That means we we must run. We must flee. It talks about it in the New Testament from them. We need to run from the temptations with God's help and strength. God does not bring us to things and leave us alone. God always makes a way of escape, but we must choose that way of escape. We can't compromise. We can't say, well, and, and, you know, well, maybe I'll just do this, or maybe I'll just, you know what? We need to make that decision and follow the conscience that God has placed in us when we have given our hearts to him. We need to follow his word. Proverbs 3, we just read it a couple of days ago, verses 5 through 6 specifically, and I'm going to bring it down to 7 and 8, but it goes along with this same idea that the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and God ponders all his paths because this is what we are told to do as God's children, as those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3, starting at verse 5. Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And some people think that God doesn't have time for the things that you have in life. But just like a good parent, a good mother, a good father has time for their children, when you want them to choose the right thing, God even more so. He is the perfect father and he cares about every detail in your life. He wants us to have that kind of a relationship with him. So involve him in the decisions of your life and accept the answers that he brings you. Go down that path that he takes you. And that's something that you will learn along the way. So lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It goes on to say in verse 7 and 8, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Ryan had a segment on the fear of the Lord you should check out. Uh, go back on, on our website and, and check that out. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So run away from temptations. Don't walk, run and turn yourself towards God. Run to him. You know, one of the things that, and when I was doing a sermon on this in, in the old church, mm -hmm. uh, I said to the I people, remember you remember that? I, I said, do. what does this word mean, run in Greek? What does it mean? It means fleeing. And I just booked it out of the church as fast as I could, and I left them. I said, that's what it means to run away from sin. You, Most people are sort of slinking away, yeah. hoping that will overcome them at any minute. Yeah. When it says run away, it means run away. It means go, get out of there. And uh, so that's very good. It was a good demonstration that you did because you ran right up the aisle and out and around and you came back down and the look of relief on people was like, where did, where did, where did pastor go? <laughs> good demonstration. Flee, run, don't walk. Today we pray for lovelife.org, lovelife.org. What a great ministry. Uh, they are this week dedicating their time in churches in New York City and all around. And I wanna just say that, that Father, we pray for them in the name of Jesus Christ. Help them grow the ministry, but help the ministry to do the right things as they are trying to save the lives of children, trying to save the lives of women. And I pray, Father, that you would help them in Jesus' name. Amen.